Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and nutrition professor of about a dozen years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a Highland Games athlete, a powerlifter. I run Strength Guild and USSF. And we've got Spencer Aiken with us today, a, a trainer and strength coach. Spencer, maybe just say a sentence or two about yourself. I am a former athlete who has tried to maintain my athletic ability as long as possible through and overcoming many injuries, including tearing both ACLs, tearing up my shoulders, and destroying my back in a car accident. So oh, well, figuring how to do that. We do worse guard veterans on this show plenty, so that's good. You fit right in. Hey, I've got just a little bit of news here. Strength and muscle sport news. Um, this first one I just saw yesterday, and every once in a blue moon, I will talk about uh, the Mercola website. If people aren't familiar, Mercola.com. He's what I would consider a sort of very um, – out there physician, you know, very almost naturopathic kind of physician, uh, but he's a, he's an MD. Um, but anyway, this piece caught my eye because I just couldn't help but notice similarities, just being an exercise phys person with our listenership. So let me just give you this. The title is What Attracts Mosquitoes and How to Repel Them. I mean, I'm bitten up right now, and it rang true with me. And, and you know, the, there's always a talk in my family. is like, God, mosquitoes love you. What is it about, you know, you? They're just all over you. So I think this might be an answer. So if you're a listener and you're like, God bless it, uh, this is some suggestions. It says there's 3,000 species of mosquitoes in the world, only about 200 in the U.S., and they differ in their persistence and their biting habits and even their ability to, to spread disease. It says they can actually detect you from 50 yards away. That's impressive. Um, But what is it that attracts them? And again, this is just my speculation, but this is where, especially some of the big guys, I think we may be targets. Now, if you're a big guy and they don't target you, it, it could be one of these things is different. But one of them is the bacteria, right? The microbes on your skin. uh, And they really dig on some and not others. So that may or may not be as related, but the chemical compounds that draw in mosquitoes caught my attention. One would be lactate, right, or what a lot of people call lactic acid. Another's ammonia. You know, it's the females that they're looking for the iron in your blood and that kind of thing. So, and also uh, heat uh, So and sweat. So there's this just begs the question, right? Are anaerobic athletes uh, like lifters, are, are we targets? Because we produce more lactate, we blow more carbon dioxide, you know, with any kind of physical exertion because we're just not aerobic creatures uh, to the same extent. Um, more iron in the blood, especially if, if you're using testosterone in some way. Um, you've got bigger muscles. You create more heat. Uh, and arguably, you've even got on an old sweaty T-shirt or something like that. So I'm just thinking this is, this is not good for us. Again, I'm not a real big person, but for those of the listeners who are uh, – 
you know, he basically gives tips. It says, especially older sweat, they'll come right for it because the microbes grow in the sweat. Uh, so if, if you're out exercising and you leave your shirt on for hours and hours at a time, or God forbid you put on one from yesterday, you're doing yard work, they're going to be all over you. Um, now, you might think, why is he talking about mosquitoes? Well, it's, I couldn't help but think about this because, again, with the lactic acid and you know the carbon dioxide and everything, you get a bigger person, and they're going to produce more of all this stuff, You know, especially if your metabolism is geared toward that because you're not aerobically trained, you know. Um, the only natural thing that they suggested here may work. There was a study back in the 60s taking vitamin B1, thiamine, right? Uh, and it could discourage mosquitoes from biting. It says the research goes back and forth, though. So just sort of a timely piece from August 23rd. I mean, that's now. So I couldn't help but look at some similarities there. And then let me toss that. And the second one, uh, I got an email from Nicholas. We'll just call him Nick. Uh, he's asking about formstain, and the more I started looking at this, the more I thought this is going to be a great idea for a whole episode. Like we're going to call it like the estrosode, because I get a lot of questions about estrogen. You know, is it bad? How do I control it? I mean, whether you're on something or you're not, there's a ton of natural and um, obviously pharmaceutical approaches to controlling estrogen. So. Hang tight, Nick, and we're going to do an estrosode down the road. It's just a neat topic. And I think we might have Bill Llewellyn back on for that because he's he's the man with a lot of this stuff. You know, I mean, literally he wrote the book. So one last bit. Uh, the T-shirt drive, the media and membership drive where we're giving away some T-shirts, um, those are almost gone. So if you want one, email fortress through ironradio.org, uh, and I'll get you one out. With uh, the semester starting, my time is going to be limited, so give me a little bit of leeway here. But uh, the last year, I just sent one to Cliff and Chris, and you know who you are. Um, In fact, Cliff uh, was the the big dude, and I didn't have a shirt big enough for him, so um, I sent him that backpack that I mentioned. So stay tuned for that, fellas. Watch the the mail. Uh, That's what I've got, though. What do you have, Phil? Anything? No, I don't have it. I don't think there's much anything going on right now that I really want to talk about. Um, there was okay. a bunch of powerlifting drama and this and that with that West Side Invitational, and it's not even worth talking about in my mind. I don't know. Oh, I guess I did. We didn't talk about the Highland Games. I did. Yeah, let's yeah let's um, hear it. What happened? Yeah, it went good. We had eleven. I had eleven people do it from my gym. So eleven of the forty-three competitors were from my gym, and literally ten of them were doing it for their first time. So I was the one um, who who'd done it. We did well. Uh, one of one of my girls won the women's class, oh, and then uh, and then mm-hmm. I won my class, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was a good showing. It was a good showing for a first Highland Games here in Topeka. So this is the first ever year of it, and uh, yeah, I had a good time. I'm gonna move back up to A class now. I'll be a poor A class thrower again. Right. Get my butt get my butt kicked. I went out there and I I dropped down to B class for two games and and won both times. And my throws are getting back up to about where they were. So now it's time to go get stomped on by <laughs> by the by the so. yeah. There's only there's only one way to get better, and that's not compete against people you're beating. So exactly, I'm, I'm gonna go get stomped around for a bit and uh, see how I can do. But how does no, that work, doing good. Phil? Do you just choose? I mean, do you're like when you enter a, uh, games, you just say I'm gonna be B class today, or I'm gonna uh, be A. It's usually based on your throws. So yeah, I I was able to back down because I stopped throwing for three years. I didn't have any throws on the on the board for for three years. So. Um, I was able to drop a class. 
<clears throat> and and take a run back up because oh, I was just, okay. I was out of practice. Um, usually they'll track your throws. If you're obviously an A class thrower, they ask you to put down your best throws on your your entry form. And if your throws are are just obviously you should be in another class, they're going to move you up. Okay. Um, okay. From from my understanding is, you know, for a you start out a C class. To go to B class, you usually have to win a, a C class games or just have the throws. Like they just started me in B class when I started, um, and then to go to A class, you win a B class event, a good one. There's and there's a difference in that. Like the, you could go to some of the smaller games and win, and it's kind of skewed, you know, because you're not throwing against like the best B class throwers there are. Um, so you still want your throws to be there. You don't you don't want to move up and just get totally obliterated. You want to have <laughs> be in the same the, the same skill set as, right. as the other guys. Um, so, but yeah, it's all based on your your current ability. Well, like and you then, said, there, you know, there's a fine line I think between uh, you want to compete against people better than yourself, but you don't want to be so demoralized. Exactly, <laughs> that you walk exactly. away from I mean, it. You know? But I mean, if you're going in and like I I I went in and I won pretty steadily in in two events. So it was yeah. like, yeah, I need to go back up. And I and I was an A class thrower before. I just I could still do B class if I wanted to, but I'd just be a dick. You know, right. it, it would be wrong of me. No, you know what? That's like it's the guys. A, it's like in bodybuilding too. You know, you see somebody who, uh, you know, he's just huge. You know, and I, no, I'm not going to make aspersions to natural versus not, but he just walks and he crushes everybody else. You know, and it's like, well, all right, maybe it's time for you to move up a category. You know, to exactly. like a big regional or a national caliber event. You know, exactly. And I mean, if I did that, it'd be just going against everything I believe in. Just you know, I'm going to stay in B class to collect medals, and I I literally toss it <laughs> on my daughter anyways. Right. You know, right. So, so yeah. No, cool. You know, we'll get out there and practice, and then yeah. Other than that, man, it's just it's going well. I was going to give a shout out, so I might as well do it. I'm working on a new program, and I need some testers. So I figure I'll do it on Iron Radio. I want people to, if they can drop an email to us, I, I, I'm going to take one guy and one woman, and I want to test a new program. You've got to be able to commit 12 weeks, and I want people that are orthopedically healthy. So Okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, no, I don't want anybody with a debilitating disease either. So generally healthy subjects that are willing to commit 12 weeks and have never done any of my programming. So I don't want it somebody that's that's familiar with with what I do, but uh, well, not to sound like a total nerd, Phil, but if you get baseline and post test data, that's what you're thinking. Uh-huh. Um, I've got some impressive statistics programs. I can run, run some stats, and you know what? The cool thing about statistics, and Spencer, thanks for being patient while we ramble. <laughs> The cool thing is you can look at a data set and you can say this wasn't a fluke, right? Yeah. If, if we redo this 95 times out of the next 100, you're going to get similar results. You know, it's exactly. going to work. So, And it's really easy for me to run that kind of stuff. So if you're interested, you know. that'd be Yeah, that'd be great. And I'm going to be doing it with some of my own people, but I wanted to try some on some people that aren't, you know, accustomed to doing what I have them do. Right on. So. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, Spencer. Thanks, man. Um, let's start with your origin story. Um, I know you're a trainer and strength coach, and as you said, you battled through all those injuries. So, how did you get started in what you do? Um, I guess I got started when I was around 17. Um, I read a book uh, written many, many years ago, put out by actually by Hammer Strength. Uh, basically the fundamentals of training athletes. I just wanted to be better 
at football. And, you know, 25 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of sports-specific training going on. It was just go and do curls, do some squats, and get really strong. And that wasn't working for me. The coaches that I had at my high school weren't necessarily effectively getting me better. And I started thinking there had to be something different. So I read a book and learned a few things. Um, all of a sudden, my friends started asking me questions. My two best friends wanted to start working out, and I became the resident, hey, write the program. We're going to go work out together. Okay. So I started writing all the workouts. We started seeing results and playing better and having a good time and getting all the um, benefits of looking better, let's say. And uh, next thing you know, I went, went off to college and continued with that type of training, doing, you know, a lot of Olympic lifting and getting stronger, getting better, getting quicker, and it was fun. Uh, fast forward three years and was doing that, working in the weight room at the university I was, I was playing at, uh, and decided, you know what, I'm in too good of shape, I'm going to blow out my ACL. Um, <laughs> the next, um, three months rehabbing that, um, kind of a, um, bad story, but the university and me had a slight argument about who should do my surgery. Uh, it, it could either be the local surgeon or the San Diego Chargers team doctor. So in the end, I had to basically rehab on my own. So I was asking questions and doing all the studying on how to rehab a torn ACL and what I figured out worked. And at 11 weeks, I was playing basketball uh, with no brace, which from what I hear from people is pretty unheard of. And considering I did the rehab on myself, what I must have done worked. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so fast forward a year, I tear my other ACL. Oh, God. <laughs> playing football, um, just, both of them were really just freak accidents of foot just caught in the cleat, just our cleats just caught in the grass just wrong, and um, said, all right, I don't think I should be playing football anymore, and I went down to, I moved back home to San Diego, or the San Diego area, uh, actually got a job in the, the physical therapy office where I did my rehab at. Oh. Uh, and the uh, it just kind of went from there where I kept getting injured and selfishly I wanted to know how do you fix the human body. Exercise is a key component of that. Proper movement patterns are a key component of that. And figuring out how to not make yourself worse through overtraining and improper programming and allowing yourself to become healthier through exercise kind of became my goal because there were certain exercises that would make me worse, certain exercises that would make me better. My knees to this day are pretty great. Uh, I really do have no complaints considering they're both surgically repaired ACLs. Um, I can still jump, I can still run, still play basketball, I never have to wear knee braces, you know, I'm pushing uh, a little bit older in my life and really truly have no complaints about it. So it was a matter of just trying to be better for myself. Right. Um, 
so I got the background in physical therapy and strength training and then um, decided to get hit by a driver and destroyed my back and had to go get some more chiropractic care to adjust my spine and get better for that. That worked and I said, okay, let's figure out how, how the spine works and got a job working in chiropractic for three years, learning how to use that type of system to make you healthier. Um, and then from there, I just got a job teaching, applying my knowledge. So I took, you know, took the physical therapy side of rehab, the chiropractic side of rehab, the strength training side of trying to be your best, and formed one kind of amalgam of ideas and started applying that to fitness on how to make people better. How do you actually get to perform through life without overtraining, breaking down, and essentially just be happier through feeling better? Right. So, yeah, the rehab story, it's funny. That's a thread that's run through a lot of our guests. I think they get into whether it's bodybuilding or strength training or whatever, you know, through some kind of rehab experience. And you know what? I don't think it's that selfish. I mean, I think it's a big driver for all of us. I mean, Phil, you compete. You wouldn't be doing what you were doing unless you – I mean, you have a personal passion for it. You know, I don't mm -hmm. think that's a bad thing, you yeah. know. So. Yeah. yeah. I agree. It's it's a we, – we have to realize that selfishly speaking, and this applies to the fitness world, uh, we're selfish in that we personally want to be better. That's what drives everyone to go to the gym, to compete in bodybuilding, to play sports. It, there is a selfish drive, and it's not selfish isn't the best term for it, but you have to have some form of internal motivation to want to be your best. People have it, some people don't, yep. and we just go from there with those clients that basically have it, because if you don't have it, you really don't move forward with a lot of things. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of clients, I mean, if they work with a trainer, and the guy, you know, he looks like hell, you know, he's sort of like doughboy or, you know, he he doesn't do any of it himself. I think they have a right to question that a little. Now, don't get me wrong. We've we talked about this before. You know, how much experience do you need? Uh, what kind of personal level of achievement do you need to be a coach? Uh, and it does. You don't have to be a national champion, but you like to see somebody who yeah, has a personal interest in it. You know, Phil, that must ignite your athletes. You know what I mean? Oh, that yeah. you're doing it, too. If you yeah. weren't out there growling and pulling some heavy iron, you know, with bloody shins in the gym, then, you know, they might be a little less enthused, I would think, you know, so. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that pushes, I don't know, I mean, it, it pushes them to another level for sure. I mean, it, if you're not practicing what you're preaching, then, you know, there's, it's like, I don't know, we've talked about it before, it's like, it's like taking nutrition advice for a bodybuilding show from the fat nutritionist. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And I'm not saying you need to be shredded. You know, there's plenty of coaches I know out there that are, you know, mediocre level at best at their sport. But they're great at what they do. You know, and that's yeah. you it's usually because of their genetics, not because of their knowledge is why they're not the greatest at their sport. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, like like Spencer was saying, you know, I mean, you're going to have a variety of clients and that sort of thing and uh Whatever your background is, yeah, you, you want to bring some of that. Actually, Spencer, you remind me in some ways of Phil because not only have you rebounded for some pretty serious injuries, but you've 
spent time in the different you know the different areas that you wanted to be around experts you know so i mean the chiropractic yep. and the physical therapy and you know and all that kind of stuff so so now are you working mostly with mainstream like gen pop clients or do you work with a lot of lifters or what are you doing now is it rehab is it just performance um i would say the two areas that i have are actually complete sort of opposite spectrum uh and it's because of the funnel of referrals i work with a lot of females <clears throat> who want to be at their best the mid 30 to 50 year old female who realizes that lifting weights will not make you bulky will not make you look like a man who want to lift heavy who are very competitive in nature they want to be their best Mm-hmm. Um, and then I work with their children as well. Okay. So, who are athletes in nature and who want to get college scholarships. Mm-hmm. So it's great in that I get to work with the parents and then I get to work with the kids who are 15, 16, 17 as well. So I get that nice little mix of both are competitive, both will still want to be their best, but one is maintaining their current abilities and trying to be better while one is growing into themselves so gotcha. it's a nice little mix of clientele and the beauty of it is with training knowing what you're doing they can almost train the exact same other than some minor tweaks to recovery obviously the older clients are going to need a little bit more recovery uh, but they love to do the same types of exercises i have my 50 year old females doing uh hang cleans and deadlifts and mm-hmm. heavy squats and they love it all. They love to be pushed. The human body, when you allow it to really work and you get that mental side of, I want to work hard, mm-hmm. it's amazing what people can accomplish. You know, I imagine there's an offshoot to what you do as well where it's it makes me think about family therapy. Like my wife's a counselor, as a lot of listeners know, and there's individual approaches to therapy, and then there's family. And by doing it the way you're doing it, they, you almost build in family support structures there. You know what I mean? Like common goals, and you know. Oh, absolutely. And you'll see the the the, the parents will ask and talk about how their kid or kids are doing, and. It's funny, but the kids who are just learning the exercises, they don't want to be beat by their parents. So especially <laughs> if it's their mom who trains, it's mm-hmm. kind of embarrassing a little right, bit right. to have your mom stronger than you. <laughs> and yeah, if you're 13, 14, and your mom is a super badass, super awesome athlete, yeah, you can understand that, but the... <laughs> Clients will get motivated by, oh, i got to be stronger than that person. Right, so that's a motivator. Nice <laughs> yeah. And we there, so. Oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, Phil, I never thought, as your, uh, as your little ones get older and older, I wonder if they're going to be in that, you know. Because once you become, you know, teenager, let's say, mm-hmm. I mean, their mom's going to be strong as hell, and dad's dad might be unattainable. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no. I get the same damn name because I work with a lot of the same groups. I work with kids and and their parents, and uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to watch that, especially when usually the teenager starts beating mom first, and then he starts talking trash on dad. Oh no! <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> like I'm coming after you. So. You know what? There are I. There are actually some things. Uh, my son is 18 now. And I would not want to go out in the street and do wind sprints with him. You know what I mean? Um, 
I think once, and I don't know, Spencer, you may be appalled by me saying this because you seem to be very functional. You're in your 40s, right, man? Is that right? I'm just, yeah, I'm 40 years old. So. Okay. Uh, I'm holding on to the last little bit of abilities that I have. But the to, devastation, uh, I'm telling you, the devastation from sprinting is not something I'm going to do well with. You know, I'd much rather, you know, give me a sled to push or something. I'll go out and exert myself very hard, but there's just something about sprinting which is just so devastating. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to have to come to grips with the fact that, you know, he can probably run farther than I can and do wind sprints better than I can. You know what I mean? Oh, well, you know, that's that's specializing, though. That's not just age, you know. Anyway. Yes. Okay, uh, let's go to break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some things that you have, both you guys have experience with, which is um, meathead versus mainstream. Uh, training those kinds of clients, what we can learn from one to the other and, and that sort of thing. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, Lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Weekly Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, we're back, everyone. It's Lonnie and Phil, and we've got Spencer Aiken with us, uh, strength coach and trainer, uh, mostly working with performance goals, 
uh, with a variety of mainstream clients, but Spencer also has some understanding of fitness competitors and bodybuilders and that sort of thing. So we just thought we'd pick his brain a little bit as someone working in the field um, about these different populations. So I don't know how many of our listeners are, you know, practicing coaches or trainers, but so let me ask you this then, Spencer, just starting with you. Um, what are the similarities? I mean, are there similarities, differences when you work with uh, the gen pop, like you said, the moms and the kids and that sort of thing? And how do they differ from the fitness competitors or the bodybuilding side? Um, I would say there's more similarities than there are differences in that essentially not vanity, but everyone wants to look better. You're, you're going to see that everyone says, oh, uh, I want to like how I look in the mirror. I want to, quote, unquote, look better naked. So there is the weight loss aspect, the building muscle aspect, and everyone wants to have that as a goal for the most part. Some people will say, I want to be fitter. Well, that also includes losing weight or you know decreasing body fat depending on their current state. So most people actually will have a very similar approach. It's just a matter of varying up uh, the rest periods, the diet approach, and that's just slight variations on the diet approach. Everyone wants their intake to be good and be healthier. Some people are more serious. The, the competitors, when they're for their 12-week, cycle or whatever they want to do for their their program for their competitive get ready for their show will be super restricted on their diet and perfect you know doing all the food prep and everything for the most part regular clients work just as hard as everybody possibly harder they just don't have to be as restricted on what, what a lot of competitive bodybuilders call the grind, where they have to do this today, they have to do that tomorrow, they have to do that the next day. This is their food plan. It's all the same food over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Most people just want to be better so that they can enjoy life, such as going out to a nice meal on a Friday with family and friends and be able to drink some wine with friends. So they approach it very, very similar they just get to have a little bit more of the quote-unquote stuff we tell people to avoid if they want to compete, such right. as dessert, uh, alcohol, which right. some people work specifically to be able to enjoy those things. <laughs> right. little release oh. time. That's a good point about the grind. Yeah, yeah because with, with no release for three, four months in a row, that's where a lot of the – Spartan kind of discipline comes in. And if, if you could just sit around and have a glass of wine once a week, it's not really going to ruin your goals. But if you're not a competitor, you know, you get that stress release. You know, you don't have to feel that grind, you know. A lot of it is under, letting, letting people understand um, you want to get better every day. But having that day where you don't need to be perfect, where you get to relax your mind where you're you don't have to be on focus you can just relax do what you want that day that actually allows us to be better because we get to allow our body to recover on that day mm -hmm. and not every day is the grind you find a lot of people who do competitive bodybuilding 
have to do something all the time. They have to either be doing their cardio, they have to be lifting their weights, they have to be going back for more cardio, and they're doing that six, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't necessarily give you any time for recovery, and as we all know, recovery is where we get better, that repair, we need to allow that repair to happen. Um, but they never allow that because they think that I have to do more and more and more, and more is always better. Well, that's not necessarily true, especially as you get older. We have to kind of reprogram our brain to say, well, three to four days a week in the gym might be all that I need if this or that is my goal. Seven days a week isn't maintainable for most people, and it's not even best for probably really anyone because we need to have at least a day or so of just let your brain relax so that your body can recover and it isn't so such a grind right now phil let me ask you then i mean i mean competitions are a big driver with your people too it may not be bodybuilding competitions for the most part but um is it easier for you to work with competitors because they're dedicated with a sh contest coming up or is it easier to work with the general population that might be hard. Depends on what we're trying to do. Um, you know, the general, for me personally, <laughs> mentally, it's probably easier dealing with a competitor because I can understand them more. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can understand the mindset. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, that's not to say that a, a general population person that just wants to be in decent shape is hard to to, to coach. Yeah. You know, Um but I, I don't know. I, I'd say it's easier for me because it's more fun. I mean, I understand the drive. I understand. And, and they generally, I don't have to push the competitor that much. You know, they sign a sheet. And usually if you sign up for something, it just automatically drives exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. So they have their own internal drive where I'm not having to push them along every time. They're, I just, I don't, I don't deal with people now that I have to do that. Um. I, I just, I'm, and I'm not trying to talk myself up. I'm at a point where I don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, if you don't want to be here, you can go somewhere else because I'm not going to beg you to do three sets of 10. If I tell you to do it, I just want you to be excited and do it. So, right. Um, type of thing. And I just don't understand that mentality. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to beg you to be in my gym and I'm not going to call you up and say, Hey, you're supposed to be here. You know, right. I expect you to show up and we're going to do the work and I'm going to help you get better. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Without signing your name on that dotted line and have something looming at you 12 weeks down the road, you mm -hmm. know, I imagine one of the things you got to do with the gen pop is give them some specific goals and make them excited about achieving those goals. Uh, you know, yeah. the goal is not to step on a platform or something, mm -hmm. you know. So. And usually that happens just automatically when, okay, they've been here three months. Let's go for some PRs. And then they understand that, oh, I just did this. I never thought I'd be able to do this. Well, I want to do more. And then they start getting that internal drive. Okay. Um, it's neat to see them, especially I, I work now with, with a lot of, well, I work with kids and athletes, but I also work with a bunch of people that are from 45 to 70, you know, and seeing these older people come in and, and get that drive and start, like, I want to be a little bit of what I used to be, you know, when right. I was younger or, or do that thing I never took the time to when I was a kid, um, mm -hmm. you know, to see a, a 55 year old 60 year old woman say i want to go do a powerlifting meet it's pretty awesome right you know? whereas when they when they first came in a year ago they couldn't sit down and stand up with their own body you know and now they're like i think i can right. do this you right. know yeah so okay. yeah that's pretty uh that's pretty inspiring so so spencer 
what percent? I mean, do you think a certain percentage of general population people eventually get so much success or so much drive that they want to compete in something? Or do they do they just stay no, gen pop? I'd say it's, a, it's a smaller percentage. Uh, well, in Southern California, a lot of people, a lot of the, especially the younger crowd, the 18 to 30 crowd, really think they want to compete, um, especially the females, because they, they just start looking great, and then they want to see how far they can take it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely less than 50%. It's probably around... 10 to 20% of the people who truly work out who will ever step on stage. And that's in Southern California where the shows are so popular. This is a show every month, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're going to San Diego or LA. But it's still a, of all the people in UC and in gym, it's probably, and specifically to the gym you go to, but it's 10, 10 maybe 15% of the people who work out. It, it's, 10 to 15% will be ever step on stage one time. Mm-hmm. And that is at the lower levels, not the, it's not, well, that makes it sound bad, but the men's physique, the women's bikini, uh, actual bodybuilding, bodybuilding level division, that's going to be so minuscule. It just takes mm-hmm. so much time to get right, yeah. up to that much muscle and that much symmetry and everything. And that's why you'll notice in the competitive bodybuilding world, the men's physique division and the women's bikini division have exploded in popularity, especially here in Southern California. They're achievable in three months. If you have a pretty decent body in three to four months, you can be very lean, and Mm -hmm. it is a very approachable goal. And it's nice to know that in three months I could be on stage. So that's helped with the explosion of its popularity versus – I'm an 18-year-old male, and I'm going to be lifting all the time until I'm you know, 26, 27, 28, where I can finally have enough muscle to step on stage and be a winner. You know, it's a little bit of a deterrent. Now, I prefer personally think that bodybuilding is a more amazing physical appearance, especially when they're on stage. It's nice to see people doing the posing versus men in board shorts. But, yeah, yeah. Hey. Popularity wins out. So, yeah, I can tell you this: the difference between be- being like seven percent fat. You know, you look fantastic. You know, you're lean, you're healthy, you're still pretty strong. You know, you're seven or eight percent fat. The difference between that and getting down to like four percent for bodybuilding. You know, that extremely emaciated. I mean, you know, you're at least as as I got older, injured, yeah. no energy. You know, it and it just the trade off wasn't worth it. You know, and then you got a judge saying, oh, you look like you're two weeks out. I'm like, you know, my cheeks are sunken. My face looks like a skull. I'm not getting any leaner. You know, (laughs) this is ridiculous. So let me ask you, Phil. So the barrier to entry, I think, is what we're talking about. Do you think Mm. it's lower for power sports, for power lifting then? Mm, I think it is. I think for the strength sports, it's lower, but it also depends on the environment. Like, I would say... Uh, walking into an average gym, it's probably about the same. If you go to a commercial gym, it's a very low percent. I'd say, you know, in the single digits of who competes, mm-hmm. who's going to go from that to competing. Um, walking in a facility like mine, uh, I can tell you it's it's over 80% are going to end up competing in something. 
Wow. Um, mm-hmm. But it's because they walked into a gym where li- literally 90, 95% of us compete right. in something. Club so environment. It's like a lifting it club. Just, right? Yeah, it just, it, it, wow, he's doing it. She's doing it. I, I want to do it. You know, it just bleeds into you. Uh, it, it's, it's the environment. You get, you get uh, in, enveloped by the environment um, when every, but literally pretty much everybody there is competing in something. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it pushes you to do it yourself, too. Yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, biopsychosocial, right? There's a social mm-hmm. aspect to this that can't be yeah. ignored. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I got one more question. Uh Spencer, so having worked with um the physique and bodybuilder side and the general population, I mean, is there anything that we can learn from them? Do you think they're so far out in left field we just can't get anything out of them and apply to the gen pop or do you think there are some things that we can learn from them? Um, I think they're very, they're very similar. Uh, the approach, there's, there's, there's variations based on goals. Uh, essentially there's, you know, five types of clients, uh, your weight loss, your fitness, your sports performance, uh, your corrective exercise and your bodybuilding. They all have a similar approach in that they want to be more active. They need to, you know, push to overload. They need to have a specific program based around their goal. The exercise, remember, we only have basic seven movements that the human body does. Um, we apply those um, similarly. Uh, and then it comes down to how much rest are you really taking versus how much intensity are you pushing forward? So, for example, a sports performance client is trying to be very powerful. You know, for someone who does, like Phil, who does the Highland Games, the effort is there. The rest might be longer because when you're training for power and explosion and maximal effort, and he's well-fueled before his workout, as you mentioned, it's kind of hard to work out when you're, you know, have no energy, you have no food in you, you have no carbs because you're trying to deplete before a show. So those similarities are different. It's are, you don't have to push someone as hard when they have food in their system, and it's more of a mental game when you are completely depleted and you're two weeks out from a show and you got to do a leg workout. Right. Yeah. There's that mental aspect of everything, but for the most part, if we treat everyone similar and apply the same exercises with slight tweaks. Those programs are going to be your most beneficial because, remember, everyone it comes down to this. Everyone's a human being. We just need to modify the formula for everyone based around their diet, based around their goals. So we don't all need to be in the gym doing, you know, fasted cardio and then evening cardio and then two-hour workouts, you know. 60 minutes of intense workout might be enough for someone. 30 minutes of a hit style workout could be enough for the person who just wants to achieve a, a more fit body. The exercises are going to be very similar. It's just the tweaked approach of I want to go a little bit quicker pace versus a slower pace. A pure power lifter is going to have a long rest period. You know, you'll see people in the gym who are sitting around and people nowadays are thinking they're just being lazy. Well, that's not necessarily true. Maybe they're actually taking a rest period. Mm-hmm. The and you know, in your big corporate gyms nowadays, if you take a rest period, everyone thinks you're just being lazy. Well, no, <laughs> right. We take rest periods because we're resting, so we can do another set of heavy squats mm-hmm. or 
all that fun stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, totally. Uh, honestly, so. I point well taken. I mean, whether it's a general population or it's a, a competitor of some kind, there are still these training principles that are going to be true. They're truisms like specificity mm-hmm. and overload. It's just how you apply those, right? I mean, so. Exactly. We apply them the exact same way to, to – we have to push to overload. We have to make something that is specific to the demand, the said principle, and – we apply those to everyone. No one is different. We, we, you know, we're all the hu- we're all human race. It's just a question of how do we modify based around your slightly varied. First of all, your age, your recovery, mm-hmm. your goal, your plan, your time frame. But we're going to be doing very similar things because it all comes down to every whether you say your goal is this or whether you say your goal is that. They're very similar in nature. We're we're closer in in similarities than we are in differences, and we approach them the same with the same exercises, just slight things to the formula. Right, okay. and that's the beauty of what we do. We can have a new experience with every client because everyone is slightly different, but we're all the same. So we can have fun with that. Mm-hmm. Now, last question for Phil, then. What about the flip side of that? And, Spencer, jump in on this one, too, if you want. Um, but So can the competitors learn anything from the Gen Pop people? Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, uh, to freaking relax a bit. You okay. know? Mm-hmm. Like Spencer was talking about earlier, a lot of times you get competitors close to, uh, especially early on competitors, like uh, you're talking intermediate people or beginners, they just, you get we get within weeks of the competition and they're totally stressed out. Um, just enjoy your workout and know it's going to work, you know. And, and generally, the Gen Pop people are fairly good at that. They're, they don't they just come in and do their thing and have fun. Um, I've had competitors that just they're they're stressing so much they're hurting themselves um, over over the meat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Other than that, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think. I think that's probably the biggest one. Right. A little bit of learn to relax. Because, you know, like Spencer was saying, too, it's it's psychological. It's also physical. You know, yeah. I mean, if you want to be strong, you've got to be well-fed and well-rested, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and you see it in a high-level competitor, we're, we're stressing our bodies so much with the training, you can't mentally stress over it. You've just got to do the work and just trust it. You know, it's at some point, you just got to give up and just trust the programming. That, and know what's going to happen. And usually early on, you see people that they're constantly questioning everything. Is this enough? Is that enough? Are you sure? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, just just shut up and do it and relax. Right. You know? Right. So, and, and generally, Gen Pop people are pretty good at that. Um, they'll just do what you tell them to. Right. And don't think about it. So, no, it, it's a good point, too. The, the Gen Pop people are probably lower on the learning curve than mm-hmm. the competitor. So maybe easier, more teachable in a way. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, you know what I mean? Or they're just like, hey, I don't know. Just tell me what to do. You know, yeah. and yeah, and so, it's the intermediate people that are always changing something. Especially if you work with distance clients, it's like, well, I did your program, but I added this and this and this. <laughs> well, you didn't do my program, right? You know? Right. So, not realizing <laughs> right th- that what they've just done uh, interfered yeah. with a key element that you were trying to achieve. You know, yeah. Like three weeks ago, I had a kid come in, one of my high school football players, and he's like, "Man, my shoulders are really hurt." And I was like, "Well, what are you doing on your day off?" Well, nothing. I'm doing rest, like you said. I'm just going in and doing chest and triceps. It's like that's not rest, <laughs> right? <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> so okay. So Spencer, any final thoughts for someone who's interested? You know, they've been maybe they're a student, maybe they're getting into the training game. Um, 
any advice for them as far as working with the these two different kinds of populations? Find out what who you love to work with. Focus on okay. Biggest thing you can do in the, the fitness industry is find out who you love. What's your passion? Who do you really truly want to approach? Who do you want to train? What goals do you have as far as that goes? Because once you find out who you really love working with, everything kind of falls into place because your passion for helping those people achieve their goals will drive you to do more and more and learn more and become more educated. The biggest thing that I can tell anyone coming into this industry is just get as educated as you can. And that doesn't mean reading a book necessarily. That means having great conversations with people who have been doing it longer, Mm -hmm. uh, watching others do it, seeing how they work with their clients, and be available to realize it takes time to be great at this. This is not a job where you simply take the exam, you get certified, and you are a world-class, I'm going to work with the next great the Heisman Trophy winner. Mm-hmm. It takes time to realize everyone is different, but the more that you realize you love what you do, you're willing to put in the work to be your best to then help your clients become their best. And if you think you know it all, you're sorely mistaken. <laughs> and it took me 25 years to know what I know now, and it will take me another 25 years to learn even more stuff and even more and more and more. You know, Spencer, because we're going to apply those new principles. Right. That's what what we were just talking about. Intermediates love to tweak things. I think it's the intermediates who have that sort of know it all thing. You know, so yeah, you got a yeah. trainer who is a know it all. He hasn't been around the game long enough because once you're really experienced, you become sort of a veteran coach or even lifter. Mm-hmm. You start realizing how little you know in the scheme of things, yes. you know. So, yes, yeah. absolutely. You you realize that the people who actually love what they do and know what they're doing will readily admit they have people they ask questions. They will readily admit I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to go mm-hmm. find out for you. First of all, because they want to know now, uh, but second of all, because if. I can't admit that I am not perfect. I'm going to fake it on you, and that's going to cause you to have an issue. Once you become comfortable with what you know, you'll know you don't know everything, right. and you will be better because of it. And, you know, that's not just lip service either. You know, you realize how little you know. I mean, let's just run down a list. Nutrition, medicine, chiropractic, uh, coaching. You know what I mean? <laughs> Physiology. You could just go down a giant list. I mean – I know the listeners can't see it, but I see all the books behind you there, Spencer, on the bookshelves and everything. I mean, there are oceans of knowledge, and to think that you have a handle on all that is folly, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. So, um, it, and it, you'll be surprised. People will read it. I tell people all the time, look at how many poor drivers there are on the road. And you're driving down the street going, wow, that guy is horrible, and yet they have a license. So just because you have a license doesn't mean you're good at it. That's good. Yeah. And there are people who never practice getting better because once they get that license, they're master of the world. Right. But yeah, it's a it's a daily learning curve of always trying to know more. All right. Good advice. So 
All right, everybody. Well, we are just about out of time. So thanks for coming on with us, Spencer. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was a pleasure. I'd love to do it again in the future. So. All right. Cool. All right. Well, until next week, everybody. Well, thanks a lot. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.
Enter the Fortress column this week. Uh, we're going to try to stick with a f- similar context as we have in this series of articles, and it's going to continue next week as well, uh, talking about behind the scenes. And obviously when uh, Jeff McCarroll was talking, a lot of it had to do with dietary supplement companies. And Fortress, you've got your share of that. So uh, let's think about a positive, a negative, and a story from working in the industry. Right. How about well, a positive? I don't know. Let's it's let's start with a, the positive if we can. The positive, I said su- I suppose the freebies. <laughs> okay. Like getting all the free stuff. Like mountain what? mountains of it. Um yeah. Like protein, product? Yeah, protein powders, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um which it always seems that people who are working for supplement companies have a whole garage full of the stuff. Yeah, and they're always, and they're always and they're always saying to everybody they know, "Hey, I got a bunch of stuff I can send you because nobody really wants it." <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that before. Yeah, you know, I mean, including the pros, you know, who um, <laughs> profess to rely on it, right? <laughs> profess to rely on it to achieve their, you know, Mister Olympia conditioning. <laughs> you know, and then you. Then you go into their uh, garage, and the car has to be parked out in the freaking front because the garage is full of skids of of the fart powder. They, they don't want, right? They don't want. They don't even yeah, know what so it is. They don't even know what's in them. What's like? Yeah. What's in the boxes? You know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, just like, yeah, just. I've actually heard stories of pros actually on the side selling the stuff outside of the company, trying to make extra money. I believe it. I totally yeah. believe it. All right, yeah. so if a positive is – and it's true. You're right. I mean, we've been there, you know, where you got a closet or even a basement full of protein powder. And, you know, that has use. Some of this stuff does have some use. Um, but what about a negative? Can you uh, rant <laughs> about something that was just wrong in the industry? I don't know, something bad. Um, well, you and I were talking about the, the time that uh... – we were at, uh, I guess, the Arnold Classic, and they had that. That well, who was that kid? What was his name anyway? I cannot remember. He kind of was like a D level celebrity in in, body, <laughs> in bodybuilding for about six months. I think he was featured in some sort of show or something, Little Hercules were, or something like that. Because remember, yeah, he was very hyper muscular. Yeah, little, little Herc, some kid that was like, what was he like nine or yeah, something? I, I don't know. I would guess nine. Yeah, and he was. Uh, Ripped. A lot of our list, a lot of our yeah, a lot of our listeners probably remember the reference. You know, it kind of is an analogous to the whole kind of the man whose arms exploded. You know, that that kind of fame thing, notoriety oh. that lasted for a little bit because of a couple pieces that were done on this kid. You oh, know, people were You mean uh, were, Greg Valentino, right? Yeah, with the giant yeah. synthol arms, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which seems to be now the uh, the I'll use the word pinnacle of aesthetics now in a lot of these uh, Middle Eastern countries with these doofuses shooting the oil in there. Yeah, what's up with that? It's it, like caught on somehow. Like, let's do the let's do the synthol oil silicon filled fake arms thing. Yeah, it's out of control. And to the these... point of absurdity, right? It's not even, they don't even try to make it look realistic. I don't know. Yeah, and all these toolboxes now are walking around a year later with necrotic body parts. But anyway, 
Um, yeah, so he had this kid, little little Herc or whatever his name was, and uh, people were accusing everybody of um, everybody was accusing his father. Well, they were Russian or something. I of, think of so, Russian. Yeah, feeding the kid steroids or something. I don't know what was going on. And you actually have a funny story about that too, because we were there once and you were in a meeting that I wasn't in. And they had uh, Sherry Goggins, remember, who they had under contract as one of their fitness personalities. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. And and you told me the story about where they were discussing like how to use this little hurt kid or something, exploit the little kid in a thong. And you, um, and you, she started going off about how the kid could bench press like three sixty or something. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? You were saying that. You told me this story, say that she was going off about, oh, he bench presses 360 pounds or something. And it was just like, yeah, sure. Anyway, um, anyway, as it turns out, I remember you and I were doing our, um, as we were wont to do back there, we were just wandering around the expo laughing at things. And yeah, our, the company at the time that we were sadly affiliated with, um, the kid was up on a stage, yeah, like just like you were saying, uh, all decked out, but beju- you know, like a bejeweled thong, doing all sorts of dancing acrobatics, yeah. and of course, contortionist, even, yeah, yeah. And I remember you and I didn't even really say each- when we first saw it, we didn't even say anything. We just kind of looked at each other with this look of disgust, like, oh, <laughs> I remember da- uh, that. <laughs> like, like what is going on here? And this kid was like, doing no this words, thing. no words are going to justify this, right? You know, this debacle. It- and especially when you see you're looking around the you know the flimsy crowd that's standing around watching this spectacle, and you know probably a good third of the people are you know very large middle aged sweaty men, um, yeah, creepy, who have, who have really no business at all being at a bodybuilding fitness expo, right? You got to question their motivation, <laughs> but but probably heard through the you know the pedo grapevine that young Herc was going to be there oh or something. My I don't God. know. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, good. it was. It wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. And then there was the lawyer guy that was also retained by Pinnacle. Remember? And he, I'm remember suppressing he was, his name as we speak. Yep. Yeah, and we and he was a lawyer working actually for Pinnacle, and we confronted he, him, didn't we? Were like, this is this is disturbing beyond. Oh well, yeah, we, you he know. was kind of looking at the stage with the same disgust <laughs> that you and I were right in shock, and we kind of were just like. What's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> how is this going to sell sell supplements? You know, how's yeah. this, how's this going to push the the tablets onto the crowd? Where, where are you going to make the connection between the contorted nine year old, you know, <laughs> on on performance enhancing drugs, you know, and <laughs> hey, go buy our herbal product? <laughs> oh, it was so embarrassing. I mean, the guy's like oiling up his abs and stuff on stage, and then he's all these you know sweaty fat dudes are like. Salivating. No, it was, you know it was, what? And it we was should, just no good. Let me back was, up before anybody's like, I'm so disgusted that, you know, they're laughing about this, but we were the ones trying to protect him and saying, listen, this is completely off the deep end. You know, I don't know why you think this is appropriate, you know, but it sure seems to us like child exploitation. Let's not, I don't think you guys should be doing this. But then, like so many things in the supplement world, Rob, you know, you've got the voices of reason on one side of the table. And if you're outvoted by the hundred marketers on the other side of the table, you know it happens anyway. You know, you know, in any other venue, it wouldn't have even been a question of like just a few guys freaking kind of just shaking our heads about what was going on. But you know, 
the circus that sometimes can be bodybuilding. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and for all our listeners who have been to these, you know, whether it be the Mr. Olympia or the Arnold Expo or any of that stuff, you know as well as we do that those things can reach circus levels of ridiculousness. You know, so well. There's a fine line sometimes between we've talked about this before with the subculture of bodybuilding and everything between physique display and something that's just wrong. I don't know. You know, just too bizarre, too circus sideshow like. You know. Yeah. So, and it was actually pretty soon after that. I remember that kind of heat. That little hurt kid. We keep calling him that. I guess I don't know what that was. You know what? Let's just say that in quotations because I don't exactly remember his name, and I'm not going to point a finger at any individual. You know what I mean? Except to say, wow, what we saw was was not right. Yeah, and like I said, it was soon after that. I remember that the kind of the zenith of those this kid's kind of you know uh, public exposure was kind of because I remember seeing something on TV soon after that where they were kind of had this little thing on. I don't know. It must have been one of like a sixty minutes type show. I'm sure it wasn't sixty minutes, but it's something like that where they, you know, where they, and of course the accusations were flying, and the, I, I believe the mother was kind of like not really <laughs> in the picture, and the, <laughs> the father was on the run or something. There was all these rumors, you know, about yeah, are they on kids. the run from some murder rap in Russia or something? I mean, all dirty rumors, maybe, but. At the same time, it just added to the shadiness of the whole scene, you know. Wow. Yeah, and, um, you know, that kid, I mean, I remember four or five years ago I saw some update on that kid because somebody was talking about it on one of the bodybuilding boards or something. And No. I don't know. He was doing, like, stunt work or hmm. – I'm sure I have this wrong, but, I mean, something like dancing, stunt work, or I don't know, and it was just – you know, you just cut, kind of saw the ashes of the, the burned embers of what, what was a, a false start in life. I right, don't know. Right. All right. Listen, we're almost uh, out of time already. We just don't oh. have a, we don't have a lot of time. I wanted to get to your story now, because we were talking about supplements earlier in the show. You talked about Bob Kennedy, and I know you have a lot of respect for Bob, and you know, end sure. of an era kind of thing, of course, but. He he has made his blunders. Well, you know, kind of predating the whole muscle tech debacle that kind of swept through muscle mag because of Paul Gardner. I mean, Bob, I remember, because, you know, the, the, these were the kind of the, the the glory days of when, you know, EAS was out and all that stuff. So people were really, really, really going for the whole marketing campaigns and that was kind of like the trend right all these designer supplements and you know the big marketing campaigns and i remember bob being like okay well we're going to start our own supplement company it's going to be a muscle mag brand and we're going to go the complete opposite of what's the trend right now with all this crazy marketing outlandish claims and all this kind of stuff and we're just going to do you know like a, like a like a protein powder. It wasn't even whey. It was just like like old school protein, protein powder. You know, some carb drinks. I guess that was it, or something like that. Anyway, and even in the ads, he purposefully. You know, I, I remember the, the 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 ads with text that with things saying things like, "How do we know our products work? We don't." <laughs> We, 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 you know, why don't we have any uh, pictures of 
you know, Mr. Olympia's in our ads because, you know, because nobody who's ever used our supplements to have done anything because we just started the company. Like, it was just, I understand where he was trying to sure. go with it. Like truth in advertising, right? Yeah, like yeah. he was trying to go to the extremes on the other side of, you know, being truthful and honest and just, you know, forthcoming about exactly what was going on. And it just utterly crashed oh, and burned. Oh, no. So he just kind like, of discredited I mean, himself, you know. Yeah, and it wasn't like, again. Or bored I mean, people to death. It, I don't know. You know, he was getting this, the, the, you know, the stuff from the same few ingredient providers that every other company was getting his stuff from. But, you know, he had his store downstairs, you know, launching the stuff. And, you know, even, I, you know, with all due respect to the people who, you know, the graphic designers who came up with the labels. And it was obviously people that were working for Musclemag at the time. I, I don't know. I can't remember who exactly it was. But even the labels were kind of lame. You know, it was okay, just. Okay, yeah. It was just like, you know, I mean, like it or lumping, you know, like uh, hyperbole and flash always will sell. And this stuff wasn't selling, you know, and it was, I mean, you know, our basement <laughs> was full of skins oh, of the stuff. No. Yeah. You know, it was like kind of coming full, coming full circle to what we were talking about when we started this whole segment, you know, I mean, we just, it was no good, you know, and it, and it kind of just dropped. And of course he had the, perfect medium because it was his magazine right right so, exactly know. the vehicle to spread the word right i mean that's sort of what muscle yeah. tech benefited from yeah you know the big double page ads and stuff and it was just uh again i understand what he was trying to do you know just be overly honest you know is this stuff gonna make you huge no you know is this stuff you know is this uh you know it's just protein you know <laughs> like right. that kind of thing well there's yeah. a there's a I guess there's a line between being honest and just, yeah, boring people and discrediting yourself because it sounds like it was just badly done. Well, one of the reasons, of course, is that, you know, supplements have have become so, you know, have done so well, these companies, because the demographic that you're largely selling to is overly excited. Right. Usually usually ignorant, immature, and... (laughs) And impulsive. <laughs> so, well, I know. No, I understand. Being, I know. Because, I know. Because we were we were the same way. I'm. I'm not. You know. I. I have nothing but sympathy. Actually, because <laughs> sympathy. Because I have sympathy for guys like you and me when we were 17 years old. You know what I mean? Like I know. Uh, like busting your ass mowing lawns all summer so you can buy one bottle of something that's a yeah. supposed steroid replacement. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so you know these companies largely are so successful. Because of the immaturity and ignorance and overexcitement levels of its major demogra- buying demographic, right? They demand yeah. hyperbole. So when you're, you know, when you're, you know, when you're pulling the the Bob thing there, and again, you know, he was he was actually, you know, because I would talk to him about. It. I mean, he was le- legitimately trying to do a good thing. You know, I mean, obviously make some money in the process. No harm in that. But I mean, the products were. Every bit of, you know, for, for protein and carbohydrates and stuff, it was everybody as, you know, as, as, you know, legitimate as anything else. And, but he was just trying to, you know, scratch away at, at all the, the crap. And it, it just, because of that demographic, I suppose, I mean, it just was not right. exciting. Yeah. You know, you know like, Rob, I, a couple of years ago, I was listening to um, a talk from a guy at a big, you know, U.S. government agency, nutrition related agency. And I'm trying to be um, 
as nebulous as I can. And he said, you know, when I speak to people personally about the power of nutrition, although I personally am very excited about it, I love to look at the research, the average consumer is incredibly underwhelmed as I start to list all the caveats and all the, you know, like you might be able to put on a couple of pounds over two or three months, you know, kind of things, a muscle mass or whatever it might be. But I remember what the word that stuck in my mind from him was underwhelming, you know, because their expectations have been completely distorted. But absolutely. So, all right. Well, yeah. that, was a, that was a good story about Bob, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. We're out of time, everybody. Uh, so we're going to call it there. And next week, we're going to continue our series with Industry Insiders, probably the last in the series. Uh, so we'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>